Well, it's beginning to look a lot like something. Well, the question is what? I think you know what I mean. Is this thing on? This is Big Green. back baby it's december 2012 it's our second annual christmas show an extravaganza ahead for you we got lots to listen to here we got some new production a couple new christmas songs actually three never before heard here they come we got some old favorites we've got another visit with ned the talking dressage horse and his pet mitt romney some other special guests Another little Christmas skit, morality play, and of course a little talk with my brother Matt. So hang in there. Big show ahead. We're going to celebrate. We want you to join us. Stay tuned. Welcome to This Is Big Green. I'm Joe Perry. I suspect you know that. And here we are. Another Christmas extravaganza. I can hardly wait. I am so excited. Can't you tell by the sound of my voice? You know, we were hoping to get a sponsor for our Christmas show this year after the (laughs) fantastic success of last year's Christmas show. But, sadly, no bites. We were hoping the National Rifle Association might want to underwrite us this year. After all, we've been so helpful to them. Helping to elect Mitt Romney. Mr. Mitt Romney. Well, things didn't turn out the way we thought it would. Oh, well. Anywho. Let's hear from uh, Mitt's um, little crew with Ned, the talking dressage horse. Let's have a little listen to their exploits this month. We have a very special episode for you. It's called, and hold on just one second here. It is called, I have it here, I have it here. <laughs> this is something entirely different. It is called Ned Trek 5. Ned Trek 5. Here it comes. Enjoy it. Our Christmas gift to you. Ha! This is Lee Majors. Last week on Mr. Ned, a half-crazed Commodore Cheney took over the starship and used it for an illegal mining operation on a tragically dying world. Luckily, Captain Romney and his first officer, Mr. Ned, managed to reprogram the Nixon robot and regain control of the ship, but not before they were all sucked into an incredible black hole. If things weren't bad enough, now Romney finds out that he lost the presidential election right back here on Earth. Boy, howdy. Right now, it's time for another great adventure. Stay tuned. Space. The ultimate marketplace. These are the voyages of the Starship Free Enterprise. 
its mission of undetermined length. Um, until we're canceled, I guess. To seek out strange new commodities. Exploitable alien workforces. To brazenly amass the largest profits that any corporation has before. Dregs, with smiling words and tender touch. <laughs> Man offers little and asks for so much. For court's sake, Willard, what are you doing out here all by yourself in a horse stall with your holy Mormon underwear on your head? And is that a bottle of whiskey in your hand? It is uh, some whiskey, yeah, <laughs> and and I'm nowhere except except for whiskey. But you haven't had a drink in more than forty years, or since that French farmer fooled you into thinking it was cowboy food. Have you turned your back on your Mormon faith? What's the use in it? I'm a darn bunch of hooey. Right now, I <laughs> just leave me in it. I know you hate to lose, Willard, but think of it this way. Now you'll have another opportunity to reinvent yourself and to try, try again. Maybe you could run as a lesbian Latina werewolf. I don't think you tried that yet. I'm hating this losing. (laughs) Oh, losing is hooey. Willard, you gotta get back up on that Bronco and ride, ride, ride. Just don't try riding me like that. Despite what we've been through together, or maybe because of it, I'd be obligated to throw you. Hey, guess what, Willard? I brought some friends of yours over to cheer you up. You remember your old friend Dick, don't you? Remember me, Mitt? It's the Dick Nixon android. We took quite a kicking around, but we're not licked yet. There is always another election out there waiting for a successful southern strategy. Uh, Dick Nixon android? Uh, thank you. And here's your chum, Richard Pearl. And you couldn't forget this face of mine, could you, pal? I'm kind of a dick, too, but I prefer Richard. Hey, Captain, I'm still packed with great ideas on invading Iran, on making better use of our drone capability, all kinds of stuff like that. I'm just waiting to be tapped. And you remember your old friend, Mr. Sulu, don't you, Willard? Actually, I'm back to being George Takai now. I'm not even sure why I'm here. I'm not a conservative. I don't even like you guys. Gee, guys, you're the greatest. I don't forget, Willard. You've got all kinds of other important friends that you made during the campaign. I just know that Carl Rove and Dick Army will be stopping by regularly to consult the mind of the leader of their party. Remember how Rose spent all that money on you? It was hundreds of millions. 
It's kind of like, he bought it, you broke it. <laughs> no, just kidding, pal. Seriously, you were like totally winning. Until the electoral bureaucracy started counting actual votes. It's so unfair. You mean it? Honest engine? I'm still the... <clears throat> I'm still the leader of the dick army? Wow, you're right, Mr. Ned. I think I see them in the driveway now. John Boehner, Mitch McConnell, Rand Paul. They're all going to want their marching orders, so mi- you better sober up quick. Rightio! Good thing I took a four-hour break between every carefully measured mini-glass of spirits. <laughs> I think we should set up an impromptu conference in Car Elevator 3. I'm afraid the rest of the house has over a dozen <laughs> mostly full whiskey bottles strewn all over it. It hasn't looked like this since we hosted the final farewell concert for the Osmond Brothers. There was mass destruction of more than one Mormon vow that night, let me tell you. Oh, sorry, gang. False alarm. It wasn't a procession of high-ranking Republicans. It's just the repo guys picking up the Romney campaign bus. Never mind all this crap, Willard. Who needs a lame-ass presidency of the most powerful nation on Earth? When by way of the space-time portal, you can be star of any television show from any era. I suppose it's either that or a one-way ticket to obscurity and irrelevance. The best you could hope for now on Earth would be to get a Mormon reality television show. But that would be such junk. Take it from me. No one ever leaves the junk planet. I always fancied myself to be kind of a frontier type. A Daniel Boone, if you will. (laughs) Hunting and trapping small vermins. That kind of thing. Helping white settlers to help themselves to other non-white people's lands. Being a service to myself and to people like me. Let's go to the Daniel Boone Show and see what we can do to help America get started on the right path. I could be the only trustworthy Indian on the show. You know, Boone's Tonto fellow. What was his name? Oh yeah, the guy that Ed Ames played. I don't remember his name either. But that was a real solid show. I learned a lot from watching it. The project for a new American century was largely based on it. Well, what are we waiting for? Let's go booning. Follow me into the space-time portal. We'll clean up all these whiskey bottles later. You can leave that task to me. Are there any ice cubes around I can clean up too? Maybe you can deal with all these muffin wrappers. Honestly, I've never seen anyone go on such a muffin bender before. It must be a Mormon thing. This way to the portal, gentlemen. Please watch your step. This is weird. I've personally never been in such a dark place before. But the smell is so familiar. That's because you're climbing up my ass. Mr. Nixon, sir, please take two steps backwards. You know, for a minute I thought I really was in the past. (laughs) So we're in the portal. Now what do we do? We all need to concentrate on the show we want to get to. So everyone think about Daniel Boone. Daniel Boone. I suppose that a PBS documentary would be out of bounds, right? I'll say. They're just so inaccurate. I mean, that one by that elitist, latte-drinking, Volvo-driving Ken Burns made it sound like the South lost the Civil War. I almost dropped my hungry man frozen dinner when I heard that. Well, I'll be. (laughs) I just found $100,000 in my vest pocket. Do you think I'd be allowed to use that on the Boone Show? If I start Bain Capital up in 1810, I'd really be getting the jump on all those other private equity firms. Willard, you're not doing this right. Hey, wait. I'm starting to hear music. That's not the theme music for Daniel Boone. That's... That's the theme for the immortal, 
Hurry! Start focusing your collective concentration on Daniel Boone, or else we're all done for! If we land on that show, maybe I could try my hand at catching that Ben Richards guy. If his blood is really like the proverbial fountain of youth, it could mean a real crack in immortality for me and for my administration. Begging your pardon, Mr. President, but you couldn't be more mistaken. If we land in a short-lived TV show, we run the risk of it being canceled while we're in it. If that happens, we'll be worse than dead. You mean we'll all be in a state of non-existence? Kind of like not running for anything? No, you'll just be doomed to remain a two-dimensional character. Forever. Forty years of appearing at conventions packed with rows of obsessive dweebs who couldn't begin to understand real drama. Nerds, all convinced that they can play your part better than you can. All the while trying to look happy. Always happy. But the remuneration can't be sneezed at either. Speaking of which, I understand that the Asians do well in math. Obviously there's an aptitude there, but what they lack is an ability to... Um, I'm starting to hear music again. It's different this time. It sounds like what we used to call hill country jazz. Not the evil kind played by the ones who are cast out. Yes, of course. You mean the darkies. I've met a few of their entertainers. The Al Jolson and the Amos and Andy. The fact is, they just weren't that bright. Yes, they could put on a good show. But when it came down to governing, they quickly descended into corruption and scandal. It's the Daniel Boone theme. It looks like we finally found the show we're looking for. That is despite our faltering concentration. I'm afraid that I didn't bring my varmint skin cap. <laughs> I guess I'll just wear my ascot on my head. You could just put your Mormon underwear back on your head. We won't tell. Now I'm back in touch with my faith now. Down south it stays. So where exactly are we supposed to be in colonial Tennessee? Where does the show take place? No, Mr. Pearl. You're thinking of Davy Crockett. He was the one born on the mountaintop in Tennessee. Um, somehow. <laughs> and Daniel Boone was as tall as a mighty oak tree. We had just listened to those birds singing. Gosh, I love birds. That is as long as their horrible deaths aren't used as legal justification to shut down drilling operations. You know, when I created the EPA, it was only to give jack-booted thugs something to do. That is other than bug me. I'm perfectly capable of bugging myself, thank you. Captain, I mean Mr. Boone. About those birds, one of my many hobbies is ornithology. And I've never heard any bird songs like that before on Earth. Sure you have. That's a ruby-throated Dr. Smith Grackle. As I understand it, it's a species endemic to only a very few Hollywood sound stages. Listen here. Historical accuracy, ornithological accuracy, heck, any kind of accuracy is too much to ask for when it comes to these one-horse TV shows. You're lucky if the characters are wearing something besides burlap bags for pants. Just because your show was a one-horse show doesn't mean that all of them were. The Big Valley sometimes had five horses at a time. And Gilligan's Island had a millionaire on it. Now you're making me think I chose the wrong show. Where's that Gilman Island, exactly? Hey, wait a minute. Something has changed. I recognize that sound. Freaky incidental chimes and weird sustained notes. And the wind are indicative of alien planets on Star Trek. 
But how can that be? We're on the set of a show in a studio that is miles away from Desilu, where Star Trek was filmed. We did occasionally make use of Hollywood backlots, perhaps some of the same ones used by the producers of the Daniel Boot show. If that's the case, we might expect some soundtrack bleed-over. Do you think that Boone's farm might be around here somewhere? It's almost noon, and about time I started greasing down these gears of mine. Mr. Sulu, I think you may have just earned your necessarily reduced pay for the week. Let us proceed as if we're actually on the Daniel Boone show. That is, until something else occurs that indicates conclusively that this is not the case. Well, Mitt, uh, Daniel, uh, Captain, that's some pretty concise figuring. You're finally the manlike consolidation of all our hopes. Yeah, and I too feel a strange and foreign sensation welling up in my gut. That would be indigestion. You should follow me down to the bathroom in my White House living quarters. I've got some little pills that can take care of that in a jiffy. The great one, you know, Jackie Gleason swears by them. He was taking them right before he died. Well, that Gleason fella, he wasn't so great. He was always berating me in the actor's cafeteria, saying that I ate too much. He was a monumental prick. I tell you, one of us used to eat like a horse, and it wasn't yours truly. You know, back when I first ran for public office, there was a certain fellow that was my own personal nemesis. He held the same seat for about a hundred years, and when I tried to mount a credible challenge to him, he pulled every dirty trick in the book. <laughs> he even started using the history of my own ruthless business dealings against me. I never knew when I was going to see some ad that featured the faces of workers who died from some probably made-up disease like cancer. So their insurance was canceled when Bain Capital took over the company and their jobs were outsourced to China. I failed to see what that had to do with me. I only made executive decisions. Personnel decisions were made by temp underlings. Hey, looky here. There's $100,000 in this pocket, too. That wasn't fair, Willard. And to think... You usually refrain from outsourcing the prisons and the workhouses. <laughs> the guy's name was Kennedy, and you never knew when he was going to strike. I always wanted to beat the dickens out of him. <laughs> Boy, did I ever. I knew a guy like that. He was always showing up with a tan. No matter what time of year it was, he had a tan. And I was the one from California. Excuse me, Mr. Boone. Who is that? You uh, never know when I'm uh, going to strike, do you now, Mitty me boy? Oh no, not fisticuffs again. Why is it that all the shows made in this era have these obligatory ten-minute-long fight scenes? Are you okay, Mr. Boone? It's my opinion that we're no longer on the Daniel Boone Show. It could be that when we started to materialize on the Boone Show, the frequencies of the folksy music and the theme song somehow interfered with the inherent resonance of the incidental sounds on a nearby Hollywood backlot. That caused our molecules to be redirected to the more dominant set's matrix. And then we materialized here, wherever this is. Actually, sir, I know right where we are. We're... That's brilliant, Mr. Ned. But where exactly are we, then? As I was trying to explain, we're on the planet. <laughs> I'm afraid, Mr. Kennedy, we need some answers. I, uh, don't have to answer questions from, uh, pathetic, stupid, aloof, uh, loser dweebs, uh, mini-me-boy. Hey, he's not a dweeb. 
Mr. Kennedy, <laughs> our electoral contest was 20 years ago on a far distant world. Also, I'm pretty sure that you're dead now. Though so far, no one has recommended you for posthumous Mormon baptism. Trust me, every time one of them dies, another couple will pop up in his place. You've got to watch out for that. Parthenogenesis, or some kind of perfect, spontaneous genetic renewal. This is fascinating. Uh, come on, Minnie, me boy. You, uh, always wanted a chance at me. Well, uh, here I am. See if you could, uh, catch me. Oh, look. Now he's running off the back lot and towards the styrofoam cliffs. I'm going to try to catch him and maybe get some answers about where the dickens we are. I'm trying to tell you. We're on. Ned, you know, I'm not so quick on my feet these days. (laughs) I imagine you've all seen the way I walk. Ned, let me jump on your back and we'll overtake Kennedy in a jiffy. I told you if you'll mount me again, I'd scream. And I will. Why exactly do I hang around with you guys? Actually, you're not that particular, Mr. Sulu. Uh, Mr. Takai, you did, after all, willingly do the voiceover work on that ridiculous Star Trek cartoon. You couldn't catch me doing something like that. That is, unless it was going to be aired on Fox. I really like that Fox and Friends cartoon. Okay, then, we'll switch to Plan B. Mr. Ned, take our, um, well, I guess you'd have to call it a landing party, and... Hurrah! A party! I've got a ventriloquism act worked out for just such an occasion. Let me check my trunk and see if I brought my Ford dummy. Uh, yeah. Now everyone spread out and try to find out what you can. We'll rendezvous back here when the big hand is on the giant ruby and the little hand is on the diamond cluster. Willard, Captain, Mr. Boone, not everyone wears opulent wristwatches like you do. Some of us have to rely on a post in a meadow to tell the time, and it only works on a sunny day. Well, everyone that matters wears an expensive watch. Ned, mine shimmers with Nazi gold. I'm not really a runner, so I'm going to power walk across country until I reach Mr. Kennedy. Here I go. Wow, I think I'm doing pretty well. I should have gotten Paul Ryan to time me. (laughs) We may be talking world record here. Willard, you're only 12 feet away from where you were when you started. At this rate, I calculate that to reach Senator Kennedy's current position will take you 12.74 hours longer than we have left in the episode. Heh <laughs> Holy cow, that's some fancy figuring. I always thought you had a bit of a hairy reasoner about you, my good horse. There's only one thing for it, Willard. Jump on my back. The last thing I wanted was to carry your sorry ass through another episode of this show. But so be it. Actually, (laughs) my ass has little to be sorry for. My sparkling Mormon undergarments are testament to that. Whoops-a-daisy! Don't forget to ask him about Chappaquiddy. That ought to fix his millhouse, or I mean his wheelhouse. Well, he's way up there on the ridge. Can you scramble up there, Mr. Ned? I'm a horse, not a ski lift at one of your Swiss chalets. I got you here. Now you'll have to use some of your own energy for a change. Alrighty, then. 
Well, what are you waiting for? A couple of footmen to help you down? I don't understand it. They usually trot right behind me. Well, no matter. Alley-oop! Now climb up there and find out what he knows. I'll proceed cautiously. Otherwise, he's likely to roll a boulder down on me or some wadded-up socialist manifesto. Hey, Mr. Kennedy, what is this place? How did you get here? What is the Catholic hereafter like? Oh yeah, that's right, you're probably in the other place. Willard, he's still about a mile up the cliff face. He can't freaking hear you, you moron. That's Mormon. You left out the second most important M. I'm heading back now. Good luck. I could see you're gonna need it. <laughs> now that net is gone, I guess that leaves just me, all by my lonesome. Hey, this might be the first time I've ever really been by myself. Isn't that right, Rudolfo? Hey, Rodolfo isn't here. What if I get thirsty or have to call a meeting of a board of directors? Hey, Rodolfo. Hmm. Rodolfo isn't here. I'm alone. Don't panic. <laughs> so, what do I like to think about? Hmm. Um. Oh, I know. Hey, Mike. Please dock Rodolfo four days' pay and then begin proceedings to deport his starving family. Mike? Mike Cavendish. Where in the dickens did he go off to? First officer's log. Stardate 56789 or bingo. Lieutenant Commander Ned reporting. In the case that this isn't Star Trek and really is a Donald Boone show, well then I guess I'll be... Um, not the Indian. Nixon has dibs on him. I guess I'll have to be the character played by Rosie Greer. Whatever his name was. Anyhow, when I got back to the rendezvous place, the landing party was busy gleaning more foreign policy wisdom from the Nixon android. He was also showing them how to cheat at cards. Wait a minute. Hey, Nixon, if you're not using the Indian character... I think it should go to me. I firmly believe that I am carrying out the role of an Indian in chief to the best of my ability. But you're just sitting there playing cards. Yes, and that's what an Indian would do. You know, they have problems with the gambling and with the drink. I didn't know that. Hey, Mr. Nixon, you seem to know everything there is to know about a myriad of the world's races and creeds. The thing about the Red Man, they can do some pretty impressive outdoor sports. Stickball, I think they invented that. And I say well done, but the art of governing eludes them. It's that they don't have the white man. I wish I had been taking notes. This stuff Nixon comes up with is dynamite. I think you could still get a set of the commemorative tapes. Just do a search for the 12 most racist volumes. And Mr. Ned, as I've been trying to tell you all along, I know we're on Star Trek. We're on the same amusement park planet where I was chased by the samurais. That was back in the first season. But there have been no samurais on Earth for hundreds of years. The question is, how exactly did the samurais and Senator Kennedy get into space? You don't understand. When anyone comes to this planet, their thoughts are monitored. They use your thoughts to fabricate people in situations that you might want to experience or re-experience. Wow, that is just so like an amusement park. 
Except I think most of the rides here are broken. I haven't seen anything unusual since Senator Kennedy popped up. Maybe nobody's thinking of anything. Well, that's a distinct possibility in this crowd. Hey, I've been thinking of Margaret Thatcher all morning, and I don't recall having seen her, facsimile or otherwise. Now that we know what's going on, I think we should tell Willard before he makes a bigger fool out of himself than he already has. Captain's Log, Startate 77777-Lucky7. Captain Boom reporting. Despite my best efforts, I couldn't get the temporary stand-in for my personal secretary, which appears to be some kind of sassafras bush to fire my truant manservant Rudolfo, whose stand-in is a piece of styrofoam crudely fashioned to look like a boulder. Senator Kennedy has eluded me so far, and (laughs) I'm beginning to cascade into a pit of despair. I'll try to concentrate on happy things, like all those pre-election predictions on Fox News. Wow, what hauntingly beautiful music. I can't believe my eyes. Is it... is it you, Dick? Yes, Matt, it is me. It's Dick Morris. How could you possibly be here? I mean, isn't this the hour you usually appear on the O'Reilly Factor? You won the popular vote by at least 3%, and you won the electoral vote by a landslide, with over 300 votes. (laughs) What a great relief. I feel great again. But you know, the liberal media and the Democratic Party told me that I lost. It seems that they told the whole country I lost, and everyone believes them. Even my closest friends. Well, meaning my wife. Listen, Matt. I put my career as a pontificating pundit on the line for my predictions in this election. And look at me. I'm still on TV, right? What more vindication could you possibly need? None, I guess. Hey, you should come back with me and tell the others how I'm really president-elect after all. I'm afraid that I can't go with you, Matt. No? Why? Do the other deities on this planet require your prognostication abilities? Well, that, and I'm afraid that the entire lower half of my body is nothing but a heavy-gauge spring mounted in a cement slab. (laughs) Well, so it is. I guess that I always just assumed you had an abdomen of some kind. You see, the caretakers of this planet are really big believers in severe cutbacks. And of course, so am I. So my incompleteness is a result of a righteous austerity program. I understand completely. I just wish there was something I could do for you now. Well, you are one big strapping piece of manhood. I'm betting you have some pretty well-developed toes inside those alligator shoes. How about making an old dick happy and give us just a little taste? (laughs) You know, somehow that request doesn't sound so morally repugnant coming from you. I guess my toes aren't doing anything important right now, anyhow. Captain Romney, do you hear me? This is Mr. Ned calling. Wow, I guess the guys must have determined that this is Star Trek after all. Also, I've got a communicator prop now. That's a double confirmation. (laughs) Captain Romney here. 
What is it, First Officer Ned? Willard, you better get back here right away. There's been an important development in our situation. Okay, Ned. What is the nature of this new development? Mr. Nixon has a new theory about Scottish people. I can't wait to hear it. And I've got some rather space-quaking news to share as well. We'll see you in two shakes of a Denebian slime devil's tail. Captain Romney out. You see, the Scottish Aborigines have very poor cognitive skills. If you ask them to draw a two-dimensional representation of a cube, they just can't do it. It's beyond them. I mean, you can also see this in their poetry. It's unintelligible. None of the classic roses are red, violets are blue kind of thing. No, it's beyond them. True, they can do wonders with a good malt whiskey, and that's important, but when it comes to... Hi, gang, I'm back. Go on, Mr. Nixon. What's up with those freakishly bizarre, toneless musical instruments of theirs? Captain Willard, how in the deuce did you get back here so fast? Simple, Mr. Ned. I just hitched a ride with this gentleman. Oh my god, oh my god. Captain, look out. There's a space pirate standing next to you. Arr, I'm no space pirate, Mr. Pearl. I'm just a shrewd businessman that takes full advantage of his opportunities to shamelessly enrich himself in a lawless and regulation-free environment. Arr. And I just happened to sail the vast seas of outer space in a completely space-worthy clipper ship. Arr. Hey, how do you know my name? Arr, I know all your names, me buckle. Lieutenant Sulu, Mr. Ned, the android president Nixon, oh, blind. Uh, my first name isn't Bucko, but you've got the other guy's names right. You see, I'm the new caretaker of this place. I'm Rupert Murdoch the Eighth. And I'm at your service, gentlemen and ladies. Mr. Murdoch, as advanced as you obviously are, and yet still you play pirate? <laughs> you see, Mr. Sulu, the more unregulated the market is, the more it makes sense for corporatists to play pirate. Eventually, a really successful venture capitalist will even begin to look and talk like an 18th century pirate from Old Earth. <laughs> so anyway, Captain Murdoch tells me that the firm Bain Galactic bought out his amusement park planet. So now all the android-making equipment is being crated up and shipped off to the slum dump system. Once there, with guidance from the few remaining androids here, like Mr. Kennedy and the upper torso of Dick Morris, the machines will be reassembled and production will resume. This will create work for dozens of slum dumpian peasants who will see their piddling lives improve in tiny ways. And for legitimate security reasons, they will all see it from behind bolted futuristic doors, which are just like regular doors, except the doorframes are hexagonal in shape. On Slump Dump 4, we'll produce a line of inexpensive android pleasure slaves. Arr. We'll flood the interstellar market with them, while at the same time launch a hit new reality holodeck program where real Confederation officers get to screw real robots. Arr. But won't the society's morals be compromised by those loose robots? And will you take a Confederate credit card? Look ye here, bucko! This ought to nullify any moral qualms that may arise from the robot screwing. But that's just a bottle of Sagittarian rum. 
Arr, that it is, matey. Also, to help get this um, enterprise underway, you should hire Commander Ralph Reed's Christian Space Coalition. They'll do it because it's the Christian thing to do and because, well, because of the steaming pile of cash they'd get. Mr. Murdoch, sir, the android Dick Morris told me that I won the election in a quantum landslide, garnering over 3,000 million electoral votes. I have to think that this is the work of Jesus, or perhaps our mutual friend Roger Isles. Arr, no. Jolly Roger has been dead for centuries. There be a gilded tomb for him erected on the planet Clarnflallow. Oh yes, the planet Clarnflallow with a superfluous F. That planet is a veritable Randy in Valhalla with a superfluous L. The citizens just get up at whatever time they want and make however much money they want in any way they want. No government at all. No public roads. No noise except for the money-making kind. Arr, it's loaded with treasures that were pilfered from all over the galaxy. And as for that wild prognosticator Dick Morris fella, I reckon he's just bound to get something right one of these days. You just mark my words, me matey. Well, sir, then maybe you can tell me. Is there to be... Or, I mean, was there ever a President Romney? Shiver me timbers. Shall know me thinks there wasn't. Good grief. Seven years of work, a cool billion, and nothing to show for it. Have asked ye... I forgot about the nipper. Your young taint did become president after a fashion. So it took three generations, but the Romneys ultimately won the gold. The first Mormon plastic president. I'm so very proud of my taint. I thought his name was Taft. I'm proud of him, too. That's right. Old Taint Romney became president right after my own great-great-freaking-great-uncle James Murdoch. His administration managed to stay in place for a whole month before him and his had to resign in disgrace. History repeats itself. Now your son, the wee nipper, he was president of the Kanseltuckian Republic or some such place. Kanseltuckian? Now that's nothing to sneeze at, Captain. Now that we've got everything all figured out and I finally have a line again, sir, shouldn't we get back to the ship? And press on with our next assignment? Indeed we should, First Officer. Captain to Free Enterprise. Three people and one horse to beam up. Arr, Captain. I don't suppose you could offer a fellow businessman a lift, could ye? Mr. Welch? <laughs> Make that three people, one horse, and a pirate to beam up. For Clay's sake... Could you make up your mind? These controls are delicately balanced. If I keep recalibrating, the whole thing could blow apart. That ship is such a piece of... Very good, Mr. Welch. Commence beaming. (laughs) That is, whenever you can determine that everything won't blow up on us. Well, that was super fantastic. Now let's have a talk with Matt. Hey, 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 hey,
Uh, well, Joe, this is the y- yeah, yeah, yeah. This yeah. is this is this is this is the holiday special. Yes, I know. This is finally our our second holiday Christmas. That's our second Christmas. holiday Christmas special. Christmas holiday Christmas. We've got this kind of thing about Christmas. It seems. Yeah, we have this strange obsession has to do with Christmas. Yeah, I don't know why. I don't know why. It's weird. It's freakish. It's freakish. Well, we've been gone for a month. What the hell's happened? Uh, Joe, so much has happened. Oh, Jesus. So much. Plenty of things have happened with guns, Joe. A lot of things have happened with guns. This is true. A lot of people died, too, Joe. That's true. Not just by the guns. They died of old age, too. Yeah, people died of old age. It's true. But we should talk a little bit about something a little, little more cheery. Very cheery. In keeping with family and the season. Let's try to keep cheery here. So what's new, Joe? Cheery what's here in your world. What's new in your world? All kinds of things are new in my world. I breathe new oxygen today. Oh, Jesus Brand Christ. new oxygen. Those were ancient molecules, Joe. No, I just created them in my laboratory. <laughs> yeah, lying. I'm lying again, of course. <laughs> yes, uh, well, we... Uh, we have some special, uh, some special programming for the folks. Yes, we year. do. Yes, yes. Uh, as usual, and some completely unholiday themed thing, like the the Ned show this week is or this month is not holiday themed, but but have, it's always appropriate for the holiday. We have another holiday themed program as well. Indeed, we do a very. Very brief but poignant tale. Yes, which uh, are we going to play that now? Yes, it's a Rankin Brash production. <laughs> it's rank ass production. It's a ranking ass. It's a reeking ass production uh, called Charlie in the Box and the First Semi Automatic Christmas. Very cheery. It's a good way to start the holiday season. You know, once you've watched uh, Rudolph the Red Nosed Reindeer and the Charlie Brown Christmas and and uh, the Grinch who stole Christmas. This fits in right afterwards. We're going to have to have a, a panel of like uh, carefully chosen experts to talk about it at the end. Yeah, so we'll have to get Roger Mudd and <laughs> several, <laughs> couple of, several other historians. A couple of uh, focus group historians. That's right. To say why it's completely wrong. <laughs> well, here it is. Quite so. So here I am, another Christmas slaving away in Santa's sweatshop. It's all part of the curse of being a failure as a toy and a hopeless misfit. Why are you still here? I thought you were slated for delivery 50 years ago after we liberated you guys from the island of misfit toys. It turned out that all we did was to confirm that no one wanted a Charlie in the box. And it probably didn't help that I floated down Mary Poppins style with an umbrella and landed on some fat southern sheriff's back porch. Remember, I was literally ejected out of that sleigh. Yeah, what was up with that? I thought that Santa physically brought every toy down the chimney. 
So did I. But no, the misfits were just pitched over the side like empty chewing gum wrappers. He didn't even slow down. I was lucky that the wind took me to a neighborhood. The water pistol that shoots jelly ended up in the middle of Lake Michigan. Well, that's probably not a bad thing. I mean, some of those misfits really were the stuff of nightmares. Needless to say, my new family didn't want me. And so after another bout of soul-crushing rejection, I ended up back here with a stamp on the side of my face that said postage due. Just look at it. I wondered about that tattoo. I just figured that you did a stint in the Navy. Whoever heard of a Charlie in the box in the Navy? So what's your story, Hermie? I thought you were going to make a go at dental school. Well, I did. But when I found out that all of my prospective patients had precious few teeth, and those they had were made of green modeling clay, I thought, what's the use? So I came back to the toy shop and learned to cope with my drowned ambitions. You've got to admit, things are much better for you now. I mean, now you're actually in charge of elf practice. True. After the old elf foreman's unfortunate accident, I did ascend to my current position of power. I meant to ask you about that accident. How again did your predecessor manage to get locked out of the toy shop during the worst blizzard of the year? Oh, I don't know. Forgot his keys, I guess. You don't ever want to let that happen. Not when it's 40 below zero out there. <laughs> so, Hermie, what are they saying upstairs? Why did Santa tell us to halt work on this year's Christmas toy order? Is he giving out more coal this year? Wouldn't surprise me. Kids are such bastards these days. It's like those hippies that used to take drugs and then laugh at our tragic stop-action lives. They were motherfuckers. No doubt about it. Listen, let me tell you what's been going on with Mr. Kringle. But you have to promise that you won't tell a soul. I promise. And that you hope to be mauled by a polar bear and then flung into a dumpster full of caribou entrails if you ever divulge this secret. Okay, okay. I hope to be ripped apart and flung into a dumpster. And crushed by one of the metal recycling machines down at the Anchorage dump. Okay, okay, that too. I hope to be crushed, melted down, and turned into beer cans. Are you satisfied? Yes, I am. You know how the boss is now an avid hunter, and a lifetime member of the NRA, and a personal friend of Wayne LaPierre, who, by the way, is nothing like a French surrender monkey. No, he's more like John Wayne. I guess that explains what became of all the reindeer around here. That's right. He started holding canned hunts, inviting in the likes of Ted Nugent and Todd Palin, who were more than eager to fly in here and shoot the reindeer while they sleep. That's some good sport, if you can stand the inconvenience of having to walk over to their pens. 
But now, after the tragic shooting at the elementary school in Connecticut, Mr. Kringle has it in his head that all school children should be armed to the teeth. So this Christmas, he'll be delivering nothing but semi-automatic weapons, plus all the ammo a kid could possibly use in a year. He's even throwing in a few grenades. I sent some tough times ahead for the less popular toys. I reckon that I got out of circulation at the right time after all. So what did the bad children get? Still a lump of coal? No, they just get the grenades, except with the pins pre-pulled. So Kringle thinks that if children are armed at all times, everyone will be inoculated from this kind of random gun violence. I'm sure it would also have the added benefit of raising test scores and ensuring better cafeteria lunches. But now aren't spineless liberal lawmakers going to push pathetic and watered-down legislation aimed at banning some of these weapons and possibly even the larger ammunition clips? They'll make a show of it for about 15 minutes, but then they'll go back to cowering in the corner like scared wimpy wimps. Of course, school shootings are bad, No one could argue with that, but they shouldn't be used as a justification to curb our constitutional rights. Our rights to go target shooting whenever we like. Honestly, it's such fun. Also, semi-automatic weapons and armor-piercing bullets are the best thing to use when you're hunting God's creatures. And hunting with those kinds of weapons also processes the meat right there in the field. Voila, there's your venison burger, ready to be scooped up off the ground and put on the grill. That is if you want it cooked. Or you could make mounds and mounds of cold sausages. Yum! Just think how different our own story would have been if Yukon Cornelius had semi-automatic weapons to use against the abominable snowman. We would have wrapped up the story in half the time. I myself was hoping that I'd get a Glock pistol this year. There are still a few folks around here that aren't open to Christmas. I figure that, armed with one of those beauties, I can open them up to it pretty quick. Wow, that would be like the first retaliatory strike in the war on Christmas. It would be the shot heard round the world, followed closely by dozens of other shots heard nearly that far. This time we'd occupy Christmas, put gigantic military bases on it, and stay there forevermore. How exciting! I'm imagining military contractors like the martial artists formerly known as Blackwater setting up nativity scenes all over the world and then, of course, wiring them with explosives so they can't be taken down ever. That's the idea, Charlie. Now let's go start gift-wrapping some guns. Sure thing, Hermie. Oh, and by the way... Who's the next in line behind Kringle to run this place? Well, I guess that would be me, the toy shop foreman. But since Santa is immortal, we never talk about the line of succession. And I currently have seniority in the workshop, right? 
So if you got promoted, so would I, correct? That would be my understanding. But why do you ask? No reason, other than I was trying to decide what we should give to Mr. Kringle this year. Oh, <laughs> I guess we could wait for the next snowstorm and then send him outside to take a look at his new sleigh. It would ensure a holly jolly Christmas for all of us, that's for sure. Have a holly jolly Christmas, it's the best time of the year. I don't know if there'll be snow, but have a cup of cheer. Have a holly jolly Christmas. And when you walk down the street, say hello to friends you know and everyone you meet. Ho, ho, the mistletoe hung where you can see. Halla, halla, halla. Halla, 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 halla. And now it's over. That was really enjoyable. I was singing along with that end part. I think there was a hidden moral in that. Yes, I think there was. Like most Christmas specials, it has its moment of shit. <laughs> it's moment of shit. Actually, <laughs> actually, it's like five minutes of shit. <laughs> hopefully everyone is familiar with that stop-action Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer special that it was based on. If not, that will be kind of an avant garde Matt, this is America. We've all got that etched on the inside of our skulls. Matt! <laughs> Matt! Matt, my goodness me, look at you. So good to see you at Christmas once again. So, Joe, so many damn people died, Joe. I know, Dan Inouye died. I know. Senator Dan Inouye. I've sat here very patiently. I know. <laughs> That's the first thing I other. thought of when he was uh, yeah. chair chairman of the... Iran-Contra. The Iran-Contra Joint, Joint Committee. Joint Committee, yeah. Warren yes. Redmond died, too, and I think he was on that same committee. He was a Republican. I think you're right. He was on one of the Republicans. Yeah. Committee. Iran Contra died this week. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Dan in a way. Yeah. I remember. The other thing I remember about him was when I think it was Haldeman's lawyer called him that little Jap. Oh, you're kidding. Oh, my God. Well, that, yeah. they were the most racist administration that Nixon. Oh, it was ridiculous. <laughs> Even their lawyers were racist. <laughs> they had to hire racist lawyers. It was like, um, make sure you get the most racist lawyer you can. I can recommend a guy. <laughs> Trouble with Dean. He just wasn't racist enough. <laughs> We need somebody. What the hell kind of counselor is that? We need somebody who knows a, a Jap when he sees him. He believes in busing. <laughs> yeah. I know. Yeah. it's. I remember seeing that on television, though. It was like, it was sort of late in the Watergate hearings, and they had, they had Ehrlichman or Halderman, one or the other, and they had this weasened little lawyer. <laughs> he was like, and in a way, gave them some kind of problem about something. He's like, eh, "Little Jap yeah. on television." They talk about they talk about uh, you know how polarized the parties are now. Oh my god! It's like that's like excuse me, but don't do you remember the people in the Richard Nixon administration? It was like John Mitchell was a complete caveman, although he did go to the right college, <laughs> according to according to the Nixon tapes. You know, there's this kind of mythology that there are all these kind of like, oh, they were much more liberal than we thought. You know, it's like, what? 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 Yeah. It's just they, that they, they were coming. It was their liberal use of bombs. Well, they were, yeah, I, there's that. 
And then they're emerging from what was considered sort of a kind of semi-progressive domestic policy era. Yeah, even yeah that's fine. It was, it was coming out of a racist yeah. era, too. But... It was like ramping down from the great society, you know? Right, and expectations were different. But, I mean, they were dropping bombs on people by the freaking ton. Of course, so is the great society. Yes. (laughs) It was a great society. Yes. Except for those that we were dropping bombs on. Then it wasn't... Well, that wasn't so great. (laughs) That part wasn't so great. Oh, yeah, they... I mean, LBJ dropped easily as many bombs. Oh, yeah. It was ugly. Those were ugly days. Speaking of ugly days. Ugly days. <laughs> ugly days. What do we have I'm for the witnesses, daze. Johnny? <laughs> I'm in a daze. I'm in a daze. So, yeah, Dan, anyway, died. Yes. He, uh, I think he voted against the Iraq War, which is one of the few senators. I mean, even the Democrats yeah. kind of wimped away. Well, there were there were those with uh, uh, that electoral. Ran, that I ran contra hearing though. That was terrible. That committee was so bad. I mean, there was uh, they got railroaded by you know by Oliver Only North, North yeah. who put on this frickin' pantomime. <laughs> yeah, he put like, on a uniform Jesus when he had absolutely no right to wear one. They, they, they all like crumbled in front of him. It was like so embarrassing. And General Secord. <laughs> yeah. Well, they didn't for him. <laughs> But they had, like, Oregon Hatch on there. <laughs> Can't bring myself to say it. No, that, <laughs> that was during the Thomas... Um, the Thomas... Yeah, uh, the Thomas hearings, yeah. yeah. Actually, Judge Bork died. I know. I was going to yeah. bring that up next. I figured when when the news hit the Supreme Court that Judge Bork died, that Scalia and, and Thomas and Alito and Roberts all looked to this guy and went... No! <laughs> the Klingon cry. Yes. Oh! <laughs> I, I, I could hear it. Because uh, he was their big freaking brain. Talk about co- corrupt Nixon uh, officials. He was the uh, solicitor general for. Yeah, he fired Nixon. Archie Cox. Yes, he was the. He was like the third man. <laughs> The, the, the third man was the yes man. That music went through that entire movie. Yeah, thank you, Orson Welles. I almost said Orson Bean. <laughs> thank you, Orson Bean. <laughs> it's all his fault. Orson McBean. Um... Okay, we should introduce introduce a song. Introduce a song. Introduce a, a delightful Christmas song. Joe, what are one of the newly recorded songs that we recorded in literally five minutes, even though they're like... Yeah. Well, they carefully recorded in five-minute <laughs> song. Please. Uh, that we will start with... We were feeling really Christmassy, but we had like two minutes of time. So, Yes. That's the disclaimer. What is the song? I, what did we record? Merry Christmas, children. Uh, we recorded a song, an old song, a song with nobody in it, <laughs> called Merry Christmas, Chillins. Merry which Christmas, means Chillins. Children. Yes. In Crackertown. Merry Christmas, children. And here it is. Here we go.
Oh, that was nice. <laughs> and such um, care taken in the production. <laughs> I know. We assassinated that song, Joe. Face it. Yes, well, again, it's first draft, and we're only putting on first drafts right now. What do you want for free? So, Joe, Larry Hagman died, too. I know. Larry Hagman. Jane A. You think she could have helped him? <laughs> Turned out Larry Hagman wasn't such a bad guy. He was into solar energy, even though he played an oil man. Oh, interesting. In Dallas. I did not know that. Yeah, he was uh, rather liberal. From what? I understand it. Larry Hagman was? They mm. should. Wow. What about Bill Daly? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if Roger Healy, what, his, what Roger Healy was. <laughs> he was in a lot of shit with that guy for a while there. Yeah, like in the regular in the Bob Newhart show too. Oh, He's that's like right. Yeah, he was. Buddy. Yeah, he was like the next door neighbor or something. Or, well, got a lot of like work. The there dentist for a across while. the street or something. Was he a dentist? They love dentists. Hey, was that dentist? <laughs> oh, not that guy again. Not Hermie again. Not Hermie. <laughs> yeah, when I was thinking of the character, I I couldn't remember his name, like Hermie. I had to look it up because I kept thinking, what is it? His name is. I thought his name was Sherman for a while. I thought, yeah. And then I thought, no, Sherman doesn't sound right. I thought, well, maybe it's... <laughs> well, frankly, Hermie doesn't sound right either. <laughs> no, because it's a little... not a name. <laughs> yeah. That sounds a little, um, I don't know, ambiguous, <laughs> shall we say. Yeah. <laughs> Hermie. Really? Okay. I'm not well, sure where he, they were going. Well, he is an elf, Joe. <laughs> He's totally With an elf. With a shock of yellow hair. <laughs> But I guess I'm just an elf. Yeah, so frickin' Burke died. Burke died. Um, of course, there was the horrible massacre at the school, which... Oh, my God. Is... But if all those kids were armed, Joe... <laughs> well, or if the principal yeah. was armed. It's like, what? What the yeah. principal Okay, yeah. He would have run in there and, like, there would have been a firefight over the kid's head. That was a she, yeah. She, she. If she had a bazooka, you know, then she could. Maybe she could just have a, a special button, if, and then like some nerve agent will be pumped into the school. That's right, hot dog. And then there'll be hot dogs. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think hot dogs have anything to do with it, Joe. I think we should introduce another song. I think that's a good idea. And this, other but I'm song just, I'm just guessing that it will take. It'll take about five minutes after. The last of these kids is buried before they start backtracking. They're already backtracking. Yeah, they are. But you know why? Because polls. But they'll start doing out. it in earnest. Yeah, it's like and, and they're see, watching the polls. But yeah, and the polls are saying that the gun rights are still popular. Joe, gun rights. Yeah, the right to because have a thirty-round right, clip because guns have more rights than anybody for some reason. A thirty-round clip. Yeah, because, you know, we we want to make sure that, that um, crackers have the right to, like, take out, you know, the military in case they decide that the elections go the wrong way, you know. Yeah. So they can fight, they can fire at policemen and the military, yeah. which is, I guess, what their, what their rights that they're talking about. It's Ruby Ridge syndrome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, Remember uh, Ruby Ridge? Remember yeah. Ruby Ridge? <laughs> 
They are never taking guns away from me, not out of my... Except pry them from my cold, dead hands. Guns! Yes. <laughs> where, where is Charlton Heston when we need him? Guns! I'm pretty good with this. <laughs> you better not follow me. I'm pretty good with this. I'm pretty good with one of these. It's my freaking hero. Duck disease, what are you afraid of? <laughs> it's a madhouse, a madhouse. So, uh, what's another song we could introduce for oh. this Christmas? <laughs> Christmas special, Christmas. Father Christmas. Oh, okay. That's that's a weird one. Father Christmas. Father's Christmases. Here it comes.
Oh my god, it's over now. That was kind of cheery. Yeah, it was. It was, it was surprising. Cheery. It, it made me... And uplifting. It's kind of nice to be uplifted after all this talk of death and destruction. It and made me feel good inside. And I'm ready to feel good again. Why don't we play uh, one of the ones from our Christmas record show that we released oh, okay. some years ago. Some 2,000 years, years to Christmas. 2,000 years to Christmas. For more information, go to big-green.net. That's big-green.net. We'll play a song called Martha's Christmas, which is uh, kind of based on Martha Stewart's miracle Christmases. Yes. See if you can hear the irony. Yes, it's packed, John, packed with irony, Joe. Yes. Here goes a one. It's like an irony supplement. It's made of iron, (laughs) and iron is good for you. It's gentle irony. General irony. (laughs) uh, General Mills was busy, so NPR got general irony. Quite so. He's a Republican after all. Here goes... Slide. You can see a world of ideas. We 
God, I haven't heard that in so long. Was that me singing? Yes, that was you singing, Joe. Damn. Damn. In the original version, I sang. Oh, oh. You know, actually, we do have more original production. Yeah? Yes, there's, a, there's one more song that we did. Don't you remember? <laughs> My memory used to be quite remarkable. Yes. Well, what is quite it? Quite so. It was, um... Um... I can hear you. Oh, yeah, that song's weird. That's a... Yeah. It's uh, Christmas... Spirits. Christmas Spirits. That's right. Yeah, that's one of the stranger Christmas songs we have in our pile of I songs. I can hear And um, here it goes. A one and a two. a two and a three and a four and a five and a... Yeah. <laughs>
You know, you know, Matt just sung the living hell out of that. Yeah, I think that's why my voice is still out of commission. We're still out of commission here. It's not. Hey, we're still out of commission here. Not from doing horse plays at all. It's (laughs) horse plays here. We have horse plays here. Yeah, so, uh, Joe, I had some interesting experiences lately. I guess I can recount one or two for you. Oh, yes, you had the. Impaling. Yes. <laughs> Matt got Rupert, impaled. Also. Rupert the Impaler came after me. and Yes. And, yes, I was uh, I was in the midst of our Christmas bird count, which is uh, sponsored by the National Audubon Society. Many thousands. <laughs> you to say the National Rifle Association. Yeah, the National Rifle Association, Joe. I'm a crazy trader now. Uh, <laughs> many of us, many thousands of us, take part in it annually it uh takes place well it's a census essentially it's a bird census we all have a count circle that's about 15 miles in diameter and we go out and we count every bird species every individual that we come upon and we write it down and then we submit this data uh anyway so i was out and going through my different habitat areas and I was walking down this one path next to a beautiful pond, and I thought I heard, uh, I thought I heard a relatively uncommon bird, not a real rare one, called a white-winged crossbill, which is an extraordinary-looking bird that has a bill where the upper mandible and the lower mandible cross each other. And the bird is able to use this specialized bill to pry apart pinecone scales and extract the seed of the pinecone with its tonguey tongue tongue anyway so i thought i heard one of these birds calling and i thought oh man i've gotta go see where that bird is figure figuring it was in one of the pine trees and i'm making it up the path and along the sides of the path are these really tall reeds which are uh, called Phragmites. It's a very invasive plant that kind of takes over wetland areas. And it was really hard walking through it because there were also uh, some rose brambles and some grapevines. And while I was walking, I, my ankle got grabbed by a grapevine and I fell and I hit one of the Phragmites reeds just right so that it went through my chin through the skin and entered inside my mouth <laughs> right below my lip. Ow! Another one hit me above the right eye, too, but that one didn't actually go into my brain. 
Good thing, too. So now I permanently have this dried arrangement coming out of the back of my head. It's, it looks rather smart. It's a flower of a Phragmites reed, Joe. I'm going to keep it here forever and always. Matt, you have your battle scars. Anyway, it bled and bled and bled. <laughs> and it bled and bled and bled. It was rather disgusting. And I, I, there was a pond next to me, as I said before, so I broke a chunk of ice off the pond and I, I put the ice over a cloth uh, and uh, onto the, the wound. Quick thinking. And actually, it, it turned out that it was a very clean cut. It was like just like a razor blade that going through. It was it was like getting a piercing or a lip. You can't even see it, Joe. You can't see it. It's like barely visible. It's in my beard where it entered, and then uh, even the part in my lip. I'm pulling my lip down to show Joe. It's oh. rather gross. Anyway, it's very Christmassy. So I <laughs> oh Christmas weed. Oh Christmas weed. I ended up not. Uh, pursuing the white wing crossbill after that, I thought, okay, well, I'm bleeding, so I guess I better go. So I left the field. So you went and pursued the white-coated <laughs> lab <No>. technician. <laughs> yeah, but not for a while, because I had to. I had to run the meeting, the compilation uh, meeting for the for the Christmas. Well, you were count. bleeding. So first, I had to go back to the to the farm where I had to take care of some of the animals at the sanctuary, and then I went to. The, to well i went to my house because i had to run off some things from the computer and then i went to the compilation i was late i and then later when i got home that's when did you do first debbie and i went to to the um no i didn't need to didn't need to i mean it was swollen but it wasn't really gory or anything so as i say it was a was a clean cut I went to the urgent care unit, and they made us wait for seven days, practically. It was like three and a half hours. Wow, you got fast service. (laughs) Because this is America, Joe. That's right. Envy of the world. I have great health insurance, Joe. As do we all. they make you wait for three and a half hours. And then they refuse to pay. But if this were Russia, Joe, you'd have to wait in line for three and a half hours. That's right. And it would be paid for, which is communist. Anyway, so that story was kind of boring, so we'll probably cut this out, and so no <laughs> one will hear this. So that wasn't nearly as exciting as my usual tales of intrigue. But it's so Christmassy. Yeah, it wasn't Christmassy at all. This is the least Christmassy episode we've ever done. Oh. We You're last, ruining Christmas last year we talked about We talked about Christmas miracles <laughs> last year. And we talked about all kinds of things, Joe. We talked about the Christmas riverboat. Yes, the Christmas riverboat was very interesting. We should talk about... Oh, yeah, I know. It's another story to tell. It was from... (laughs) When I was a little kid, I wanted a train set really bad. Oh, right. Mom has told this story a million times. Uh, I wanted a train set. And so Mom, she ordered me a train set from Sears and Roebuck. Oh, right. (laughs) And, And... the package came, and and in those days you ordered something from Sears, and you still have to go to the store to pick it up. So right. mom goes down to the store, and and they hand her the box, and on the box it's like a training, it's a pink training toilet <laughs> for toddlers. It's like, no, mom, I wanted a train set, not a pink training toilet. 
training tardy. <laughs> so that was almost a terrible. Yeah, and then and then, and then they, yeah, and then they, they sent it back, and then they sent the wrong thing. Again. Yeah, that time it actually made it to the house, though. That was like just the the train set like fake terrain. It was like a roll of fake oh. grass or something, because that actually made it to our house. Because mom didn't used to pretend that Santa brought everything, so she'd let me visit the toys in her closet <laughs> before Christmas. So I'd actually go in there and look at the boxes and think, oh, look, there's the... And I looked at that one box and thought, wait a minute. <laughs> That's... I don't think that... Terrain. So uh, you had training <laughs> toilet, and then you had terrain. Oh, my God, I never put that together, Jim. Right, and then it's like... Trains. Do you remember Sears and Roebuck? I mean, we used to go in there, and they they yeah. had toys set up. Was it you that used to 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 like attack the? Well, you they would have like a Ford a, Apache. Ford Apache. Yeah, yeah it was me and and the and famous Brett Kepner. Brett. <laughs> and you'd like ESPN guy. You'd like have the have the cavalry guys shooting each other. Right. Yeah, because <laughs> like, they had guys in poses that were like you know somebody getting shot, and then some guy would have a rifle. That wasn't funny, Joe. Yeah, not very. They asked us to leave. <laughs> yeah, Fort Apache got got a little bit comical there. Sears was a weird store. I mean, they had. Everything they had records, they had, yeah, it was kind of like a department store, yeah, that's basically it. It was great. Do you have any Christmassy stories, Joe? Well, no, Matt, <laughs> no, um, I can't really think of any. You know, it's, it hasn't been a very Christmassy year because uh, there's been no snow. Oh, Jesus. Uh, thanks to our global warming. Joe, what if you were in frickin' Florida or Hawaii? Hawaii? be snow. Does that mean there could never be Christmas? Do you think Jesus had snow for Christmas, Joe? I've never asked the Jesus. You think it would be sand, you know? Sand. That's it. <laughs> a sandstorm. <laughs> oh, great. It's a sandstorm. <laughs> Nobody wants Charlie in the box. Yeah. Have you watched any Christmas specials? No, I missed all the Christmas specials. I never do. I never see them. In fact, we usually, I mean, our tradition has been to watch the Colbert Christmas and then to watch Bad Santa. What's Bad Santa? That's, uh, it's got, um, Billy Ray Thornton in it and it's a... What well, I used to watch like the the uh, the old version of the Christmas Carol with Alistair Sims. That was my Christmas special. It's about this trashed up. It's about this trashed out um, uh, department store Santa and his little elf, and they go. They have this scam where they rip off stores. <laughs> they wait <laughs> well, until the store is closed, and then they rip it off, and then they they meet meet up a year later, and and uh, it's pretty funny. It's made by the guy. The, it's made by the Cohen brothers, the guys who made that. Uh, they made a, They made like you know. Did Bar- they do Barton Fink? And, did they do and, like Brother Where for Art though? Is that the? I love that movie. <laughs> that was great. <laughs> I, I always laugh about that movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's the Odyssey. Yeah. You turn him into a toad. <laughs> <laughs> he turned him into a 
<laughs> That's good. That was very <laughs> Christmassy. <laughs> that was excellent. That was one of the the better movies of the decade. I yeah, it was. Yeah. Well, ain't this place <laughs> geographical oddity? <laughs> you know it's what? Ten days from anywhere. That was George Clooney's finest role. He did an excellent. I've seen a few of his movies. That's the only one I liked. I really did enjoy that. He was very well cast. It was the Odyssey. Movie. It was great. Yeah, he played kind of a Clark Gable. Yes. Yeah. Cartoon Clark Gable. Very well. <laughs> the great sensibilities. It looked great, too. It was a good-looking movie. i got to watch that again. I haven't seen it in a long time. I love the songs, too. They really did a good job on the music. Oh, it's clever, clever, clever. Yeah. Bad Santa's made by the Coen brothers. It's, <laughs> it was, um, it's, it's pretty funny. Mm. Anything politics before we go? Politics. Well, I guess yeah, there's a lot of things, but uh, yeah, I just can't get into it. It's Christmas. I know. Let's let's fuck the politics, Joe. Fuck politics. <laughs> <laughs> it's Christmas. Oh, what oh, says Christmas it. more than fuck politics? <laughs> ah, darn it. Ah, darn it. Oh, by the way, today's the last day of the world. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. The Mayans are going to kill us I forgot that. All right, Mayans are coming back. Mayans get the revenge. <laughs> well, After we'll we the, kill them all. We'll be in the fifth dimension. It's <laughs> fine <by> tomorrow. <laughs> We're on the, oh, no. Copyright. 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 Oh, Jesus Christ. We gave that. We don't worry about that anymore. It's fair use. It's fair use. And Jupiter... Aligns with Mars. What are we going to play them out with? And peace <laughs> will guide them. I don't know. Uh, did we play all the songs? That, oh, oh. The Yule Log song, Joe. The Yule Log song, Joe. You see? Yes. It used to be that there was a channel that played what they called the Yule Log. They'd have a fake fireplace. Well, I think it was a real fireplace. And they'd just have the camera on the fireplace with the log burning away. And they'd play Christmas music. And so if you were too poor to have a chimbley, you could just stare at that on your television screen. La 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 la. Okay. Let's play it out. And, um, and a Merry Christmas. And a Merry Christmas to all of you. And a Happy New Year. And a Happy, Happy New Year. <laughs> Bye. Watch the flick of the lights.
Christmas show. Another year gone by, another year older and deeper in debt. I want to thank my brother Matt. I want to thank Ned the talking dressage horse. I want to thank everybody else that helped us with this show. It took millions to make this show. Honestly, we have a lot of help here. The whole hammer mill is filled with all kinds of technical assistance. Check us out at big-green.net. Now that the website's back up and running, Follow me on Twitter at Big Green Joe. See ya.